0: Your soul is at war with lies, and you have no choice but to fight. Lies have shaped us, told us who we thought we were, held us captive. Lies from outside us, lies from within us. Truth is reality, and when we live at odds with reality, we cannot thrive. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth can be known. The truth will set you free. It's time to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies, to liberate them with the weapon of truth. It is time to fight back in the quietness of our hearts to stand in the truth, to live no lies. John 17 verse 15 says this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, we're in the last last uh, Sunday of our series, Live No Lies, and we've been talking about the three main enemies of our soul, the first being what it says there in verse 15 of the enemy. We have a real enemy, Satan, the devil. We may not like to talk about him a lot anymore, but the main um, tactic of the devil is is lies, that we end up believing these lies, just like you heard some of those, the voiceovers that we end up exchanging truth for lies and how it distorts us. And it goes all the way back to the garden where, where he says, well, did God really say that? Or does God really care about you? Right? There's these doubts and insecurities that we have about God, ourselves, how the world works, and it ends up playing out in our flesh, right? Our lives physically, and it breaks down relationships and uh, families and our own self. And we end up in a place where we didn't imagine ourselves being. And lastly, Bob mentioned last week about the world, right? And how we live in a world um, that is full of broken people who are hurting. And, um, and we kind of see the environment, you know, turn on the news for 10 seconds and you'll see the world that we live in, right? And it's, it can be depressing and it can be difficult and doesn't seem like there's much hope. But in this passage that Jesus is praying Uh, it seems that he is praying for us and he's praying for his disciples and in in doing so he's praying for us as well, the future church. And Bob did a great job last week unpacking that we're not of this world and that we need to kind of maybe start to, again, unpack or learn these areas where we've begun to to live as maybe the world does. What I want to do, if you have a Bible, um, maybe if you have a physical Bible or if you have like the Bible app, you can highlight it in there too, I think, I think that you can do that, um underline, we're going to be on that verse 18 today. It says, as you were sent into the world, or as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Um, I'm just kind of one of those crazy people. If Jesus says something, I think we should maybe look at it and take it serious. So I want to ask the question today, what does it look like to be sent into the world by Jesus? That's what I think we can, that's what I want to end this series on, because we can take all this and say, great, I've learned some, I've kind of, I'm, I'm trying not to live any lies, but what do we do with this? How do we go forward with this? If you've been here throughout this series and you're learning here. So what does it look like to be sent like Jesus? And, and, and first we need to kind of define the world. Now I think we're sent into the world. Because remember Bob said there's a couple different definitions of the world, right? So, this world sent into the world, this is like our culture. This is the environment 2022, Bozeman, but also our, our nation, our world. This is, we're sent into the world as believers. Jesus was sent into the world in his time for the sake, like our fancy new board, for the sake of the world. Now, there's a lot of stuff about we're not supposed to be of the world. So, Maybe we're not meant to be of this culture, but also the famous John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Now who is that? That's the people. That's you and I. That's our neighbors. That's the person across that may vote like vote different than you, may look different than you, may be from a different part of town. Maybe they root for the Grizzlies. I don't know. You know, we all have our brokenness in our lives. Okay, <laughs> so we're meant to be sent into the world for the sake of the world. Right, We're meant to live sent lives like Jesus did. He, he entered our world for, for, for our benefit, for our sake. And we're going to be unpacking that. But we have to ask, what does that look like? I think it's fitting on this Sunday. This is our mission Sunday. This is Elevate Orphan Sunday. And it's amazing. You heard about what those kiddos are growing and learning. And, 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 and I've also had the opportunity to go to Africa. I've been to Ethiopia myself. And, and one thing I remember from all the kids, no kid at one to job were like, I just want a job where I make tons of money. They all said things where they could help people. It was so interesting, I remember that. They're like, I wanna be a teacher, I wanna be a doctor, I wanna be an engineer, because they all wanted to give back in some way. And that's impacted me. And I know me and Brandon chatting about what that looks like to take teams in the summer. And we're excited about that. And deeply impacted by missions. I've had the privilege to go on a number of trips around the world and even served as a missionary full time. Kayla and I did that before we were married, Um, right after college, um, we worked in, in Europe primarily. Uh, And I lived in the UK and was based out of the UK. And um, it was amazing because, you know, if you look at church history, if you know anything about it, there's tons of church history in the UK. I mean, great revivals. And I mean, I, I once was in a church that was like John Wesley's favorite church he ever preached in. And you could go and see his Bible that was in there. And it was like hundreds of years old, the church. And then there would be like four people in the church. Right? And I remember walking these churches and I joked with the first sermon, like there would be churches like this, our church is 600 years old. I'm like, that's older than our whole country. That is wild, right? And and the doors were sh- were short because they're like, back in the day, Logan, they weren't as tall as you, you know? And like, I couldn't like walk in the church door. And um, and we basically helped revitalize these small dying churches with basically we we put in American, I mean, part-time youth pastors, right? We we're trying to help them. Cause we would walk in, they'd say, Logan, that's the last teenager walked in. What do we do? And it'd be someone in their sixties or 70 years old. And so if you know anything about Europe, uh, it's, it's kind of maybe a more post-modern world, but also pay, kind of post-Christian. A lot of those churches are um, being closed or turned to nightclubs, bars, things like that. And so we came in to try to help these areas. And we were kind of the Rust Belt area of, of England. Um, and I got to live there and, and, and care for those people and um, enjoy many a rainy day. Um, and, and it was a, a really impactful time of life, and God used it. And I saw God do amazing things. I saw house churches with seven different languages being spoken, and they chose me to go through the book of Romans. I'm like, I better slow down this lesson. You know, it's like, okay, it's going to be translated into six different languages. I mean, it was crazy stuff, you know? So my lesson got really short. You know what I mean? Like, we'd get through like, Four verses in one time. And I saw, saw people come to Jesus. i I, I, I witnessed to the um, soccer hooligan culture, if you know anything about soccer. And um, I'd go to these soccer matches and, and, and all of a sudden they would just pop off and I'd be there trying to reach. And amazing stuff happened. But what I realized is, and Ken and I did too, um, we, we had this kind of cool ministry we thought it was. It was. We were missionaries by day, but athletes by night. That's what we got to do because we both played sports at a higher level over there. Kayla played for the best volleyball team in the nation of England. It was awesome. But if you know Kayla, that's not surprising, right? My team was much more bad news bears. Okay. My team was fighting off relegation that they're like, Logan, if you don't score 40 points, this guy loses a job. And I'm like, what? That's a lot of pressure. You know, like um, I had no idea what I was walking into. I knew I was in trouble when they said, Logan, we just need you to you know, like you can't pass the ball to your teammates. And I was like, this is not good basketball. You know, and I was like, it wasn't good. And so, if you know any, like, uh, and I, I don't know, I love those TV shows that are English because now they bring me back, like, the, you know, like, if you ever seen Ted Lasso or, or Welcome to Wrexham, like, that was my life. Like, that was it right there. Like, I was the American, the only American in the room, high fiving, trying to get everybody involved. And my teammates were like, who is this dude? You know what I mean? They, I didn't have a mustache, but I had long hair and a beard. And they're like, who is this guy? Like, what, what's he about? Why is he here? Um, but it was in those moments, I think the unplanned moments of ministry, as I'm being sent, I'm a missionary, right? It was the unplanned things that stuck out to me the most. One of those times was November 1st. I remember it vividly because we were playing a game November 1st. We were going, we had to travel to Liverpool. So it was across the, na- the country for us. We were on the Northeast side. We, we had to drive across. And, and this, this, this might lay it out, like it was November 1st and in and, the and, and UK, uh, they love Halloween and at least where I was, and they all love the party. And so I get there to get to, get to the bus, I got my backpack, I'm ready, you know, I'm trying to put my music on, like get in the zone, you know? And I just see all my teammates coming, I'm like, uh-oh, they're hungover, you know? And uh, I see the guy dragging his bag and drinking Pedialyte, and I'm like, oh no, this is not good. This is gonna be a long drive, you know? And there's a guy, got his head out the window, like, I just got sober up, and, and I'm like, man, this is not gonna go well, right? And I forgot to tell you too, my coach had called me right before that and said, hey, Logan, I'm sick. I'm not going to be there today. Could you be the player coach? And so I was like, great, this is my time to shine. I'm going to drop all the plays, definitely for me. Like I'm definitely, like my shots are going to be way up today. I'm going to get my Bill Russell on, but I was freaking out. I'm like, this is not good. And on top of that, I was supposed to drive the bus that day because I got paid a little extra money to drive the bus. So I was driving the bus, coach, player with my hungover team. That's real story. No, none of this is exaggerated. I, at some point, I was like, this will be a great sermon illustration. Today's that day, right? And so I'm driving this bus thinking like, okay, I don't move at these guys. They're getting sick in the back. We drive there and guess what happened? We got smoked. We get, we're getting crushed, right? Like we get there. These guys are, they're having a bad day and they're just complaining. They're like, oh man, I can't believe we have a game on the first. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't they know? Like, what's the league doing? And not. And, and I would love to tell you, like I was so perfect with all my teammates, but I didn't curse at them, but man, I gave them, I ripped into them at halftime. I just let them have, it. I was like, y'all the softest bunch of group I've ever met in my life. Y'all are a sorry excuse for players. Y'all need to grow up, y'all you know, be men. Like I was doing, I was doing the whole thing. I was, ripping. I was like, there was one guy named Martin. He hadn't drank, it was me and him. And I was like, me and Martin are gonna go out there and I don't need the rest of y'all just sit on this bench. I'll play with just him. And, and guess what happened? We still lost, we still lost still lost. My motivational speech did not work. My coaching career, um, it wasn't good, right? But I had this moment and and I walk out of that game and I'm like, oh gosh, now I got to drive back and just got crushed and humiliated. And I got ice packs and just like trying to get out here. And then I go to the bus, you know, I'm driving. I'm like, and I got to drive us back. And I get in the bus and it wasn't far long into that drive that one of my teammates looked at me and said, Logan, are you one of those Christians? It wasn't a question I was expecting to get at that moment. I was thinking, man, I can't stand these guys and they're ticking me off and I'm hurting. And and they some driving the bus on the wrong side of the on the different side of the road, you know. And they were like, "You're one of those believers, aren't you? You're one of those Christians." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I am. Why do you ask?" He said, "Well, the boys and I, the mates and I, we've been talking. I'm not going to do the accent because it won't work. But um like me and the mates have been asking, and we're like, we just can't figure out. And it's not—we thought it was just because you're American, but it's not your American stuff. It, we've realized it's not d- that. Like, my, they always use a joke. They're like, you drink way too much water. You have a backpack. You wear a hat all the time. Like you're very American. Um, these are—they're like you stick out like a sore thumb. But they're like, no, there's something about you that is different that we just can't peg. And and, and so I began to unpack a little bit of my faith. And what I didn't realize is in that moment is I got to have one of the most amazing conversations I've ever had about the gospel with this, because it was just us in the drive, driving back. And I got to tell him why I was there and what God was doing and why I believed in Jesus. And they asked all these questions and I'll never forget one of these guys, he, he looked at me, his name was Jimmy. And he goes, Logan, I heard some song called Oceans. He goes, I have no idea what it's about, but it's pretty cool, I like it, right? And if you know, it's like a Hillsong song. And so I talked to him about like, well, here's what that means and here's what that is. And the ocean, the chasm of our sin. And, you know, and I just like began to pour out. And so, Kim and I both had those kind of environments, especially with sports. And I look back as we were thinking, oh, this is what it means to be a missionary. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna change everybody's life. God's gonna move. And God did different things in me and through that time over there. And I realized it wasn't, my expectations was was different than reality. Because yeah, I was living a sent life, but what God had for me in that moment looked a little bit different than what I imagined. It wasn't just the organized Bible study or the sermon or the outreach. It was life on life. It was relationship. It was time spent together. It was bus rides and coffee shops. I used to meet with a group of guys at 5 a.m. or Fridays mornings at 7 a.m. And they would come. They're like, I have no idea what the Bible is about. Just tell me. And I would just like tell them. They're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and they had like, no, they're like, it says what? And they were just, it was mind blowing stuff. And, but I realized it was just little moments like that, that I, it wasn't just that they were people to be saved, but they were friends. They were my neighbors. They were people I had practices with and, and went to dinner and I asked them about their life. And they even said, they said, Logan, just, you're just different than us. Like you ask us questions and you're really cheery and like you high five us a lot. And, 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 and they were, it's a, it's a kind of an economically deprived area. And so they were very much, cons- you know, there was, it was a hard life. And they're like, there's just something different about you. We just don't know exactly what it is. Friends, Kayla and I took this away where we're like, man, we might've been in England at that time, but that doesn't need to change. So whether we lived in Denver or here, like that doesn't change who we are and how we live. Because I realized if I'm gonna live a sent life like Jesus says, then that doesn't matter which environment we're in. It's the same no matter where we're at. And so I wanna look at a passage this morning for us as we finish out this series about how do we, in this room and online, how do we live a sent life? So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John 15. John 15, we're going to be starting in verse five. Um, it'll also be on the screens. Verse five says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you got a Bible, um, I underline that verse 8. Because the first thing we want to talk about, if we want to live sent lives, we need to bear fruit. Jesus is telling his disciples we are to bear fruit. That there should be fruits of our lives. He says, if you even have your pencil or pen or whatever, he talks about remaining in me. He says it four times, remain in me. Remain in who am I? What, what have I taught you? He's telling his disciples, what have I taught you? What have you seen me do? Stay close to me. We've been talking about that in this series, but how, how do we know what God is like, what he's up to? Are we attentive to that? Or are we just kind of floating amongst our lives? And he's saying, no, if you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. There will be fruit to your lives. And I love that because it says, it will, our fruit will show the world that we are his disciples. Friends, I, can, I just gotta ask a question. What's the fruit of your life? What is it? If you need help with that answer, look to Galatians 5, 22. it says this, but the fruits of the spirit, right? This is the things that grow in our lives as a result of the Holy Spirit. They're love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So if we did a fruit inventory this morning, what's growing on your vine? What's growing on the branches of your life? Are you full of love? Are you a patient person? Are you kind? Are you a good person? Or do you look at that list and you go, ooh, it might be a little bit more withered than I, than I thought. Because see, friends, I think there's this temptation. You're like, yeah, 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 great. That's great. That's good stuff. Be a good person. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, this is saying, if we're really in, in tune with the Holy Spirit, if we're following God, if we're actually taking him serious, if we do what he did and we, and we actually take his word at, at face value, then part of that relationship, there'll be a fruit to our lives. There will be love. There will be joy. There will be peace in our life. There will be patience. I don't look at that list and say, yep, I got enough patience. I'm good. You know what? I'm, you know, I'm just kind enough. I got plenty of self-control for everybody. No. You look at that list and it should be almost like a gut check of, you know, I can't a tree can't just go like, "Ooh, make an apple." Like that doesn't happen, right? Like it's a, it's a it's a product of an environment, right? It's a product of water and sun and soil. And the same things as our lives. Like guys, what's in our lives? Are we is there a ground that is is producing these fruits? There's a lot of verses about, you know, he says, he says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Everything that comes from you, it's a, it's a direct result of our relationship with him. Folks, these fruits can be a measure of how well you're doing with the Lord. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to judge you or condemn you this morning, but maybe that's the Holy Spirit's reminder to you of like, hey, there's some work to do. I look at that list and I go, man, I got a lot of work to do. And it's like the Holy Spirit's just pointing and saying, hey, Logan, what's that? Let's talk about that for a little bit. If we're going to go into the world, if we're going to be sent to the world for the world's sake, then friends, what is the fruit? Do they see for their lives? I'm grateful that my teammates saw something in me. They said, they said, Logan, you're, we're really bad teammates, <laughs> but you're always patient with us. Not always, I would not say I'm always, because I they out my nerves a lot, um, but love those guys. But they were like, Logan, you, you like ask about our families and you ask, you know, a lot of my friends, they had different relationships and, I at, and they said, you ask about, you know, my girlfriend who's pregnant and you've asked like, how's that going? And we, d- why, why are you doing that? Logan, you just, you always seem like you're trying to, um, you know, invite us to something or go to dinner. Why is that? And, and I, I say, that's not to say I'm amazing. I'm saying it to say like, I'm grateful they saw some fruit in my life because there was probably a lot of areas that wasn't growing. Friends, do we have those conversations with people or do they just like, do we look like everybody else? Because when I see this world that we live in, there's a lot of hostility. There's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of unbelief. There's a lot of that already in the world. So are we living a different way? Do we model a different way? Do we actually have fruit to our lives? Is there evidence that God is renewing our minds and our spirits, right? Or do we just live and look like everybody else? The same cynical and hostile lives that the world has thrown around. If you come and spend any time with me, one of my favorite passages is Hosea ten twelve, And I think that if we look about how do we grow fruits in our life? How does fruit grow? I think the prophet Hosea says this and it's, it's really crucial for us and read it with me here. It's gonna be on the screen. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruits of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on us. When I start to realize what God's doing in my life, when I start, to, I start to ask the question, am I bearing fruit? I'm just, I'm sowing these little seeds. It's not my righteousness, it's Jesus' righteousness, right? Little seeds of God, I'm not as patient as I wanna be. Or man, God, I'm not very kind. I don't, I don't love well, I, I'm a very judgmental person. Oh man, those are just little seeds. We're putting those in the ground and, and God doesn't, what does he do? He, 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 it says we're gonna reap a f- fruit of unfailing love. I love this passage because it's almost like we get to participate with God and he invites us in. of Hey, I'm going to identify these areas and we just have to confess them. And maybe that's through our, our community. We've talked about accountability. We've talked about, we need family. We need people who will look at us in our life and say, Logan, you're just not very loving. And I'm concerned. Or Logan, you're just, you're really cynical and you're, you kind of judge a lot of people. These are all things my wife tells me, right? <laughs> and we need people like that in my life. Hey, Logan, that... that That area of your life is kind of withered and dying and maybe maybe God wants to do something about it. Friends, I don't know what that area is for you, but I love this passage. It doesn't say maybe you should break up your unplowed ground or if, if you have time to break up your unplowed ground. It says, no, break up the unplowed ground. What are the areas of your life that are dry and desert and there is no fruit growing? I cannot identify those for you, but you know, those closest to you know. What are those hardened parts of your soul? You're like, nope, I got burnt by people before. I'm not going to open that up anymore. So I'm going to be cold and I don't need to be loving. Like get, friends, those aren't like, like, like choices. That, that's a command. Like we're meant to, to produce fruits. It says that we'll be known. We'll show ourselves as his disciples by our fruit. So friends, if we don't have fruit, something's off. We're not healthy. And it says those unhealthy things are thrown away and burnt because they're useless. I don't want to get anywhere close to that. I want to be a person that has so much room in my life that people are having those conversations. Are you one of those people as well? I love it. It says, It's time to seek the Lord. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. I read this passage all the time because I'm like, Man, today's the day. Today's the day to seek the Lord. Not tomorrow, not like I'm doing good enough. I don't look at that list and say, Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Logan. I got enough of this. No, I go, I need more of that. Lord, I need to be even more in tune with you. I need to abide in you even more. Am I, how's my time in the word? How's my time in community? Am I being honest about what I'm struggling with? Or am I just going through the motions? I love that it. it says he showers his righteousness on you. It's his righteousness, guys. It's not ours. We, this is what I see a lot in, in our culture. And, you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of self-righteous talk going on out there. Because you know what happens with self-righteousness? I start looking, I'm like, man, I'm growing, some stuff's growing in my life. I'm doing pretty stinking good, right? And then what really quickly happens is, look at all these sinners out here. Man, I got way more fruit in my life than that guy or that person over there. Man, you know, it's like the Pharisees. God, thank you that I'm not like these people, right? And, and that's his self-righteous behavior because we think that we're doing better than everybody else. And then what I find in my own life and those around me is, when we become self-righteous, we become bitter and cold. And what we don't do is secondly, what we need to be about is we don't love well. We don't love well. Pick this up with me in, in verse 12. It says this in verse 12. My command is this, this is Jesus talking again. Love each other as I have loved you. God, Greater love has no one than this, to lay one down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus does for us. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from the Father I have made known to you. You do not, uh, you do not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed to you, that here it is again, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other his command that we love each other. It's not a choice. We don't get to like say, maybe Jesus, if they're nice or they deserve it. No, we don't get to do that. Jesus doesn't do that. And in this book, Dan Ortland, uh, he's an author. He wrote this book, Gentle and Lowly. He says it this way, the cumulative testimony of the four gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world, all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move towards that sin and suffering, not away from it. Friends, if we're gonna live a sent life, we need to get off our high horse of self-righteousness and stop casting fingers and looking at people and say, ooh, what is that going over there? There is brokenness, there is pain, there is stuff that's really scary, I get it. But Jesus saw that, you know what he did? He entered our story. He came into us, he met us in the midst of our brokenness and redeemed the world through him, right? For God so loved the world. You know the story you probably heard with Miss Peggy's kids. Guys, if we're going to be sent into the world, we have to love well. We can't just be sitting here and being like, well, if you do that, 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 and get it, get it better. And I can, I can tell you this because this is what Jesus did. Jesus felt love and compassion for people immediately because they were creating his image. They mattered to him. It says this, and maybe you remember that story in Matthew 9, um, the story of when Jesus saw the crowds, what did he do? He said he felt great compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and they were helpless. He didn't look at them and say, Oh my gosh, these people. Not again, not another crowd. He goes, Man, look, man, they, if only they knew, if only they knew who I was. And he, he has compassion on them, he moves towards those people. Or maybe the story um, uh, of the rich young ruler. You may have been familiar, familiar, familiar with that story about the guy who has got a lot of stuff going for him, a lot of money. And he, he even, uh, he, he says, God, I've kept all, or Jesus, I've kept all the rules and everything. And, and, and Jesus says this in, in Mark 10, he says, um, he says, he looked on them and he loved them. And then he, he does correct him. He says, hey, if you love me, then just, just give everything away to the poor and follow me. And we know that the young man walked away, but even in the midst of his unfaithfulness and the fact that he did not end up following Jesus, this says that Jesus loved him and he saw him. He had compassion on him as well. He wasn't angry and wrathful towards him, but he was, he was heartbroken because he, he's gonna not choose him. But, and, or maybe this one, maybe you heard the story of um, when Jesus is, is asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? And what does he say? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, all of it. But love God with everything you are. If that's a goal for 2023, that's a good one. Love God with everything you are. Deuteronomy six. And they say, well, and he says, but likewise, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love the smart aleck guy because that probably would have been me. He's like, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Because he wanted to put some differential. Well, who do do the people have to love? And friends, I I just look at when we're self-righteous and I see a lot of us in our world, if we've been following Jesus, there's a lot of us going like, that's not my neighbor. I don't have anything to do with them. But friends, who are your neighbors? Do you know the people who live beside you? Do you know the people down the street? Do you know the people, your coworkers? Do you, do you care about them? Or do they just annoy you and you can't stand them? Because maybe they need Jesus. And maybe you're the only form of Jesus they're gonna get this week. The, the person that annoys you the most, guess what, is probably the person the Lord wants you to speak to the most. Maybe they look different than you. Maybe they vote different than you. Maybe, they, again, maybe they root for the Grizzlies. I know that's a big one to get over, but Maybe that's the person God wants you to love the most. So um, Dan Orland says this. He says, he, side, he sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. What a beautiful picture of, of a God who, who comes towards us in the midst of us. It's like if something was wrong with Forrest, my son, man, he has a, if he had like a disease, I'd be so angry. I'd do everything I could to, to help him heal. Right? I would do everything. I'd take him to doctors. I'd get the medicine, whatever. And folks, we got a sin problem that is raging in our lives. And God loves us so much that he did something about it. He enters. He actually came in human form, died on the cross, that you and I could be reconciled to him now and forever. And friends, we get to be that for other people. So at this time, I want to ask one of our students to come out and help me illustrate this a little bit. Uh, can we give it up for John Preby? y'all? Yes. John. John did not know he was helping me today, but I uh, wrangled him in, okay? Um, John, how are you? Good, Good. okay. So John and I are, um, we're kind of, there's a distance here, right? Now, John, are you a perfect person? No, you got some stuff you can work on? You saw those fruits and you're like, um, maybe some of those, uh, they're not grown as big? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I could either tell John everything he's doing wrong right? I kind of put it in this chart. You might see it on this chart up here, but um, I could explain to him everything he's done wrong. I could be far from him. I could correct him. I could, um, but does that, does this feel very good? No. And Jesus doesn't spend a ton of time doing this, right? But I think we do this, like we might send off a mean tweet this way, right? Or like repost that, boom. And like this, this doesn't mean anything, right? Like I can do this and I don't have to actually know John's name. I don't have to get to know him. I don't have to engage his world because this, I, I, can, I can be self-righteous and I can tell John he's wrong. I don't actually have to listen to him or care for him. But what we see Jesus do in the gospels is he doesn't just say, hey, go figure it out, John, and come follow me. He actually comes into our story. He puts an arm around us and he says, hey, John, this way is not gonna work, man, but this is the way that leads the life. And he, he walks us with us, Right? That's who God is. That's the God of the Bible here. John, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's what God does, right? He enters our stories. He walks with these people. He shows them in like half the disciples don't even, they don't even fully understand who Jesus is half the time. Right. But that's what Jesus does. He comes and he engages us and he walks with us and he goes, man, let me show you a better way. He says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes before the father by by me. This way it leads to death and destruction and it's lies of the enemy. But this way leads to life and life eternal. Friends, are we people who put our arms around people and walk with them? Or do we just stand and throw rocks at them? There's too much of that. There's too much of that out there. Are we people who actually walk with people and we care enough to get into them? i put it in this chart for you guys to make it as simple as I could. Are we people who are against people or are we people who are with people? Only you can look on this list and say, man, what am I about? What is more likely for me? Do I just face off with people? Do I I stay far away from them? Um, Do I hate them? Am I close to more judgmental? Am I angry? Do I just try to give them all the answers? Well, they don't believe right. They're, man, look at these sinners, man. They just, if they only got kids these days, I hear that all the time. Kids these days, man. Or man, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. Well, why don't you actually, the world was a hell in a handbasket when Jesus entered it too. It wasn't a real good environment either. And that's when Jesus decided to start his church. So folks, when are we gonna start doing something about it? Are we gonna enter into that story? Because the other side takes some work. It means that we have to come alongside. We have to be near people. We have to love. We have to ask them questions. I ask teens a lot. What's it like to be you? what's it like to be a 16-year-old right now? Guess what? It's a lot different than it was for me. It's a lot different from when you were 16. Are we kind? Are we curious people? Do we ask questions? Or do we just worry about giving them the right answer? Now, guys, there's a time for the right answers. There's a time that says to testify to the goodness and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But do we ask questions? Do we care? Do we just want to be right? That is not how we live a sent life. We have to love well. We have to enter in people. We have to spend time with people we do not agree with because how are they going to get it unless they experience some of that in our life? I think there's something there for us guys. And, um, I, you know, Kayla and I just had a baby recently. So date nights are at a premium right now. Right? Like, so I was trying to be romantic, which, um, I was trying. So I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And I was like, oh, I'll do a fire pit night. Right. Put the baby down get a fire pit going, you know, get the little s'mores, those charcuterie, I don't know that word, whatever, the fancy stuff, you know what I mean? Charcuterie, phew, hard to say. You know what I mean? Cheese, little olives and stuff, Kale loves that stuff. So I got the plate ready, sunset, I'm like, yeah, it's good. Take notes, there you go. There's a free one right there, guys. Um, sat out there and we sat by the fire, and we had a great conversation and stuff and it was a good time. That was last weekend, not the snowy weekend, not in the rain, we're not crazy, um, but, you know, it's funny because I put on a jacket I had on that week, later that week, and I was like, and I could, you could smell the smoke, right? You could, smell, you could smell it on me. I was like, oh, and I wasn't near the fire at that time, but you could tell I'd been around a fire at some point. And, folks, I wonder if people notice that aroma about us of Jesus in our lives. Do, are we people who spend time with God and love him so much that we, we have these fruits in our lives that when we enter into those relationships, we're like, man, there's something different about them. Right, man, I, I don't know what, exactly what it is. And my teammates didn't agree with me 100%. There was guys still like, look, I think he's full of nonsense and that's okay. But I got to have conversations and continue to have a relationship with him. And I got, to, they, I want us to smell like Jesus. I want us to have fruit of our lives, folks. Is there fruit to your life? Do you smell like Jesus? Do you, do, can people tell that you are a follower of Jesus or are you just the same old, same old? I think we've missed it if that's the case. Folks, as we land the plane here this morning, as we are trying not to live lies, we wanna be people of the truth, right? It's not that we just tell the truth, it's actually the truth came to us. And we get to share that with others and the truth, are we living that? Being sent like Jesus, lastly, is this, guys. I think it's gonna take great intentionality and creating margin. I would love to tell you this is a part-time thing. This is a side hustle. This is like another add-on, Disney Plus subscription kind of thing. But it is not. We cannot just keep living the way of the world and be sent to the world. It doesn't work that way. So if we're just worried about the hustle and bustle and caring about everything that everybody else cares about, it will not work. You will be tired. You will not have room. And I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh, Pastor Logan, I'd love to. But you know, life's just busy right now. I know that. I know my life's busy. I got got a four month old at home. You know what I mean? I'm tired. (laughs) I'm real tired. But I I don't get to... It doesn't, these are commands of Jesus that we would love well, that we would bear fruit. We don't get to like do this. It's not like optional. It's like, oh, extracurricular activity. If you get time around to it, you know, like that's not, it's part of following Jesus. It means following Jesus. So friends, what I have to ask you is, is, is are you willing to make intention, to create some intentionality? Are you not willing to create room? You might need to say no to some stuff because there's a bunch of kids in that lobby that need our help that by God's grace, we've done a great job supporting them, but are we gonna support them even more? And that might mean saying no to something that you really wanna buy this week. Ah, a couple less lattes. Okay, figure that out. Cancel some subscriptions to some stuff, right? There's some of us, there's a whole wing of kids down there that we need more people. You wanna look for intentionality. There's a lot of kids hurting that need some intentionality. I got a bunch of kids that are gonna come here tonight for youth, and guess what? A lot of them are coming from non-church homes, non-faith parents, and they got no one walking with them in life, besides us. I once taught a class when I was a high school teacher and I taught about mentors and finding mentors. And I asked the boys, hey, would you find a mentor in your life? And all 25 boys asked me to be their mentor. That's not because I'm awesome, that scared the heck out of me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, these boys have nobody. Folks, there's kids and people around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your roommate, students, the kid at the table that smells weird or whatever, like that person needs you. Are we living with intentionality and are we creating margin in our lives to do it? Or do we say, oh, whenever I get around? You'll never get around to it. These people radically followed Jesus and we're sitting here as benefactors of that today by people who took Jesus really seriously, who stopped living lies, and lived a different way amongst the people, and it changed the world. It changed the world. Friends, it could change Bozeman. It can change Ethiopia. It can change our nation. Do we care? Do we actually, are we gonna be about it and create margin in our lives? The best person I learned is from, a guy named Derek. Derek was a buddy of mine in college. Normal guy, not a pastor, not a theologian. Long-haired dude, played basketball at my college. He was a couple years older than me. So we we're like, oh, cool, hoops, long hair. That, that works, you know, like, we became friends and, and he was just like, he first it just became, Hey Logan, you want to work out with me? I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to. And uh, we'd work out and he's like, Hey, I'll come pick you up. I'll, 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 program all the workouts. I'll do all that. He loved doing that. And then I even, I was a teacher at the time and he was like, Hey, uh, let's ride together. Let's ride to school and I'll pick you up. And then he's like, Hey, would you come to dinner with me and meet my wife? And here's my kids. And Hey, by the way, here's this book. I don't know if you ever want to read it, but if you ever want to read it, we'll, we'll talk about it. He's buying books. It was always like some super deep theology book, you know what I mean? I was like, this is 900 pages, you know? But like, and, and or, person's been dead for 300 years. He's like, yeah, let's read it, you know? And, or he would just spend time with you and he would, he would invite you over and, and he would ask questions and he was curious about this and he was really intentional. And I know this about Derek is he just didn't buy the bag of goods of wherever the world was going. He's like, ah, I don't think some of this works. I'm not gonna do that. So if you asked him what the latest TV show or what the score of the game was, he probably didn't know. He didn't. The guy had a flip phone for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Like, but he lived with great intentionality and he created margin to this day. When I go back to West Virginia, I will go and knock on his door. He lives about 45 minutes from my parents. He'll open the door like we're lifelong friends. Like, oh, hey, Derek. hey Logan, how are you, man? He's not like Rush. He's not like, hey, well, can you schedule me in? Like, he, that's not Derek. Like, but he's, he said no to a lot of things so he can say yes to people. The guy, when I was in Europe, he sent me letters, he sent me care packages. He didn't have to, he's just a bigger brother in my life. He loves the Lord and he just took really serious. I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna be really intentional with people. And what I found out later in life is I left and he just found guys to do that for, for no reason, just because he thought Jesus would do that. So we would write letters about what we were learning and what God was teaching us. And I would come back and Brett's like, that's just Derek, that's what he does. He's got little kids. He was showing them how to do the same thing. He had all the reasons to say no to a bunch of young college kids. And there was kids from every faith background, non-faith, and he didn't care, he just invited you in life. I would come back, and like, oh, they're so-and-so. Yeah, he's, he's Derek's new guy, you know, like that was me a couple years ago. When I went there last, there was a couple people just in his living room and I was like, yeah, makes sense, you know? Just, just being intentional, creating margin in his life to do so. Said no to a lot of things, folks. What are the things that you need to say no to to live with greater intentionality. Maybe it's a few less days skiing. Maybe it's a few less days hunting and being with your family. Maybe it's not being up to date on the latest trends or whatever, like that just doesn't matter. You are not super, super people. You cannot do everything. You cannot be God. You cannot be everywhere at all times, do all things and know everything. You can't, stop trying to but you know what you can do? You can be really intentional with the person that's in the cubicle next to you. You can actually care more about what's going on in your kids' lives or your spouse's lives, or you could care less about what the PTA moms and dads are talking about. You could care more about who your kids are becoming more than just what they achieve on the sports field or in the classroom. It can, but it's gonna take some intentionality. It's gonna take some time. And friends, I think it'd be a miss if we just leave this series and we're just like, Cool, next one, great, check the box. Friends, the world needs us. The world needs us for the sake. Would you do this internal work of of wrestling with God? Where are you needing to remove some things in my life? What's not growing? Because the world needs more patient, loving, kind, gentle people who would walk into their story and say, man, let me show you a better way because Jesus showed me a better way. Can we do that? What would Bozeman look like? What would see look like? What would those kids lives look like? we heard stories of what their lives look like. Cause a couple people cared who gave up of some stuff. Chuck who went over in his free, his time. We're going to have time to do that. But there's people right here in this valley that need that right now too. You don't have to wait for the next mission trip right now, folks. We're all missionaries. We're all, we can all be Derek's in the world. It's funny about those teammates. I, I had a chance with them. Last thing I'll say here is I shared with that bus ride and a few weeks later came and I said, hey guys, I'm going to be sharing this thing, this coffee shop. I'm going to be telling my testimony. I'm going to share more about who Jesus is. You know what? My whole team came. Now, if I hadn't put the time in and put the relationship and actually actually genuinely loved them, they probably wouldn't have come. They're like, whatever. I got way better, way better things to do than listen to me talk, right? But they all came because they're like, well, no, Logan, you matter to us. And you love us and we love you. And we're gonna come listen to your story. About a couple months, months ago, I got, a, I got an email from one of those guys on Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and he said, hey Logan, I wanna let you know I became a believer. And he said, I, it was because of things you said back in the day and he started to wrestle with it and he went to uni and stuff. And he said, man, I'm following Jesus now. Thanks for that testimony in my life. Man, I, I just was sowing seeds. Didn't know what I was doing. This young 20 year old kid, running around playing basketball, missionary. I didn't know. But God moving in that life, guys. That could be your story too. There could be people right now that need who you are and what you have to offer this world, to so a lost and dying world. Will you be that for other people? Would you pray with me, Jesus? Um, it's a new season outside. We see it. We see the snow. We see this changing of se- seasons. And God, I just pray that we would take your word really seriously. That we would hear what you're saying and we would just, we, we would be it, we would do it. That we would not just be hearers of the word, but we be doers of the word. God, as I prayed and <laughs> studied this week, I was nervous because I was like, gosh, Lord, there's so much in me I just need to repent of. And God, I pray that for my friends in this room and online that they would just, just repent, that they'd say they're sorry and they would turn away from these areas that they're being selfish, self-motivated, worrying about their own prestige and um, accolades and... um escaping the realities of this world rather than being intentional and creating margin. God, I want to live a sent life. Would we, live here, we leave here sent today, not as superheroes, but just as intentional expressions of, of the fruit that you've, of you've grown in our lives and that we would love well out of that space, Lord. It's all because of you that any of this is possible. So God, I pray that we, we, you would do a greater work in us this morning and we'd leave here changed. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net. give Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.